The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. Matthew chapter 28, we're breaking from our series Binge the Bible and our six-month Bible reading plan. And um, we are taking this Sunday off because I wanna talk to you, church family, about a um, potential strategic pivot. How many of you guys have ever played basketball or seen it played? You're making your way towards a goal. Something gets in your way. What do you do? Pivot. You pivot. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that and give you some updates and details. We're running a little short on time, but I want to read Matthew chapter 28, 16 to 21. And I also want to invite you, if you'd like to embarrass your graduating senior in the next couple Sundays, please send us their picture and brag about them to us via email. And we promise to embarrass them thoroughly, publicly, and uh, clap for them and everything. It'll be wonderful. Next couple of weeks, we, got to, we want to celebrate with our graduating seniors, both from high school and college. And so uh, grandparents, parents, boyfriends, girlfriends, let us know. Can you do that? Yes. Good. All right. Next couple of weeks, we'll do that. Send us an email. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read in verse 16 to 20. These are familiar passages, but I want to back up to verse 16. Here's what it says. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus, now this is the resurrected Jesus who, prof, who prophesied his own death and resurrection, never before seen footage, and now is appearing to people and directed his disciples to Galilee to a specific mountain. And so they went to Galilee to the mountain that Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, somebody say saw him. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord God, we thank you for these final words of Jesus recorded for us in Matthew's gospel. We thank you for this great commission. And we thank you that you have not left us alone or unclear, but we have been commissioned, we have been sent. And Lord, we are living our lives on mission. God, we have a goal in mind that is established by you and described for us, and yet you have left it in our care to pursue it and to fulfill it. And so God, as we encounter obstacles to our goal, and we look for ways to pivot. God, we want to be led by you. And so I invite you, Holy Spirit, into this space, into the heart and mind of every person listening under the sound of my voice. God, that you would speak to each of us and that you would help us to know how and when and what to do in the way that we sense you leading us. God, we take just a moment on this Memorial Day weekend to acknowledge and remember Lord, we know so well that those who forget their past are condemned to repeat it. And so we remember, God, we stand in solidarity with those who honor and remember our fallen soldiers. God, those who risked and gave their lives in defense of our freedom. God, in various settings, in wars just and unjust, but their sacrifice no less meaningful. And so we honor them inasmuch as they stand as a reminder of your self-sacrificing love, the saving love that has drawn us in and brought us home and sent us out. So I ask that you would speak to us today in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about our mission. And if you're here in our guests, I don't want you to feel like, oh man, Mission Sunday, I knew it. Especially if you're looking for a church and you're like, oh, I was hoping to get a real sermon and now I'm getting Mission Sunday. Listen, what you're about to hear is exactly what every church shopper dreams of. Because typically you go to church for seven weeks and you ask four really important questions and you're trying to figure out if you should be there or not. Everything I say in the sermon is gonna be all the things you never dared to ask. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> now, uh, we... We are on mission as a church, and Matthew 28 sets that for us. The rest of the scriptures also speak to this mission. There's plenty in there. But since the beginning of Christ Church in 2015, when we started what you are now experiencing, it has been our goal and our strategy to fulfill this mission to maintain momentum. Do you guys know that growth is not the goal, but when you are pursuing mission, growth is the necessary outcome? Do you know that? If you aim for growth, you get weird. Just saying. If you aim for faithfulness, you get flourishing and growth comes along with it. You understand? And so we've always sought to maintain momentum. And if we aren't maintaining momentum, we're asking, what are we doing wrong? We also sought to mobilize every member because the church is not about a personality. It's not about a preacher. It's not about a staff. It's not about a building. It's not about a logo. It's not about a brand. It's not about an Instagram feed. It's about the kingdom of heaven on earth. And there is a role for every member of the church to play. We believe that. We live by that, and we have sought to empower every single member and mobilize them into Christian ministry. And then lastly, our long-term goal as we grow into a mature church is to be a multiplying church. So we wanna, we wanna maintain momentum, we wanna mobilize every member, and we wanna multiply ministry. Our goal is always to be a sending church. We are, we are seeking to be a faithful church and to continue to spread from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so we're always pushing out, 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 out. Some of you will say, do we really need more churches in Port Orange? Yes, and good ones, good churches. Do we really need more churches in Volusia County? Yes, we desperately do. And faithful churches, honest churches filled with real people. And so that has been our mission and continues to be our mission. And to do this, we have had a plan. We've been working a plan for eight years. We've been working this plan. And here's the plan. Our plan is to grow to 1,000. That's why. Here's why. You ready? Not because it's a magic number. Two reasons. There are things a church of a thousand can do that a church of a hundred cannot do. Do you know that? The resources, the ability, the manpower, there are things a church of a thousand can do that a church of a hundred cannot do, that a church of 500 cannot do. And so we've been looking to grow to a thousand. But when we get to being a thousand, we want to maintain momentum and cyclically plant churches so that we're always growing between 800 and 1200 people and not past that. We are not trying to be a mega church. I'm not saying a mega church is bad. Sometimes mega churches happen. Read the book of Acts. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're not our goal. Our goal and our plan has been to get to a size where we can continue to multiply churches and have the resources to do that. Part of that reason is also that God has entrusted us with this campus. When we started Christ Church, we inherited this campus. It came to us with significant deferred maintenance. It had $850,000 worth of mortgage. We had $8,000 in the bank and I wasn't getting paid, but we had this campus. And so to be faithful to this campus, we thought, how can we maximize this campus? And the building that we're trying to build and the parking we have and the kid space we have allows us in a two-service church to easily be in that eight to 1200 and then to use Saturday nights as a way to put together a launch team, start a new service that eventually would become a new church and to plant churches in our community. That has always been our plan, trying to be faithful with what God has given us. Now, in order to do this, we've set out some goals. Here are our goals. We have set out to build a new adult sanctuary. This is part of our One Life initiative. If you've been around any length of time, you've heard me talk about this. This is a picture of the 
the facility that we're seeking to build. And then we're going to move out of this space as adults and dedicate this entire 8,000 square foot building for the use of our kids. That's gonna involve a remodel. This was our goal. We found a builder who said he could build this for us for $2.5 million. We went under contract with him. This building has been drawn. We have architectural drawings for it. We are applying for a land use permit with the county. We are gonna be applying for building permits. Everything is in order. All of, this, all of the soft costs of this are already paid for. And we're right to the point where we are about to apply for permits. And that's the only thing keeping us from breaking ground. That's where we are at in this particular plan. That's $2.5 million building. We assume about $400,000 worth of soft costs that we are responsible for, landscaping, tying in sewage and utilities, so on and so forth, furnishings and decor. And so we have a $2.9 million project and about $550,000 of existing debt, small amount of existing debt. So we have about $3.5 million onto this project. Now, that was our goal. That's where we were going. And we faced an obstacle, which is why today I'm talking to you about a pivot. In fact, we faced three obstacles. The first one is that we are already reaching capacity in three services. Look around, everybody. Hey, this is a full church. You guys are like, I see empty chairs. Yeah, you go sit there. This is not how, there's a little bit of room in here, but there's people in overflow seating. If you sit in one of my sermons in a plastic chair, you get extra reward in heaven. I'm telling you, that's how this works. You do, you do, because that is an 18 minute chair and I'm a 45 minute sermon preacher, okay? So this is how this works. If church is 90% full, it's too full. The first service, just this full. This service, very full. Now our third service is about 60% full. There's plenty of room there. The problem is not everybody wants to go to church at noon. You're like, I know, that's why I'm here right now. Now, we are going to be, over the next several months, pushing people to consider a missional move to noon just so we can continue to grow. But this is going to give us maybe six months, not the 24 it's going to take to build this building. Do you guys see this? The only solution then is a fourth service and a fifth service. Do you want, do you want to do that to us? My family's present. Do you want to do that to them? Is that actually going to work? Because what's going to happen is the two prime services are always going to be bursting at the seams and people are going to come and they're going to leave and they're not going to come on Saturday and they're not going to come at noon. And so we're reaching this capacity. That's obstacle number one. Obstacle number two, our construction cost at $2.5 million was exceedingly aggressive back then. And our lender, who is a church builder and a Christian financial institution, has let us know that what they are seeing are 40% increases to 2020 prices. They are currently working with a church that is building an $8.5 million property, and they just got their bids. They're right where we are, just ahead of us. They got their bids, and their project is now $12.5 million and completely out of reach, and they have no plan, and they are completely unable to build, and their growth is completely capped. They've done, people have given all this money, and there's nothing they can do. So this is obstacle number two, construction cost. Thirdly, you guys know this, interest rates have nearly doubled in the last 18 months. And so we, had a, we have a four and a quarter interest rate on our mortgage, our little mortgage on this building. And we were able to lock in a construction loan at 4.5% last year. We got it way early. We weren't even ready to build, but we knew the rates were going up, so we locked it in. Now the rate is 8% for the same loan. Now the problem with that is you go, yay, we locked in, we're good. Nope. All commercial real estate mortgages do not fix like residential mortgages. So you can't get a 30-year fixed rate for a commercial property. They're all adjustable rate. And construction loans are three years. So what happens is you borrow $2.5 million at 4.5%. In three years, it goes to 8%, and your $18,000 mortgage payment becomes $25,000 like that. And if you go over budget and you go to $4 million, you now have a $33,000 a month mortgage payment to build that. So do you guys see a little obstacle? So this is what we're facing down. Now, Obviously, we knew these things were coming. We've been watching them. And we have also been expecting some type of impending collapse. 
And so we thought, well, maybe the delays that we're experiencing is the Lord's way of allowing us to be positioned to benefit from said collapse. Like we have our financing in place. Maybe, maybe everything's about to get way cheaper and then we're gonna be good. But we are here and there is no collapse yet. So this is the challenge that we're facing. So obviously we're being faithful, continuing to move forward. Nothing's slowing us down, but we're getting to this kind of point of no return on this project. And around Easter, I get a call that there's this insane opportunity, and I wanna tell you about it right now. Um, The First Presbyterian Church of Daytona Beach at 620 South Grandview Avenue in Daytona Beach uh, has a small dwindling church that is no longer capable of maintaining their facility. This facility was put on the market way below its valuation, and this church is desperate to sell this this building. They're completely insolvent, and they have, this is their last resource, and so it has to be sold. So I know, about, I know this facility, I've seen this facility. And so we went to take a look at it just as a, as a long shot, could this be something that God was doing? Now, it is a 24,000 square foot church building with a 350 seat auditorium, 11 kids' classrooms, a suite of offices, a fellowship hall with a commercial kitchen and a counseling center that's leasable office space on three acres with 100 parking spaces that you can see the ocean from in front of Sunsplash Park in Daytona Beach for $1.95 million. So that was their listing price. So we thought, all right, um, this is just dollars and cents. This makes way more sense. But like, what do you do with that? How do you, what, do you, what does that look like, right? So I don't know if you guys have thought about trying to be two churches, one church in two cities. Feels like juggling while doing a split, right? But we're asking the Lord, is this what you are leading us to? And so we went and investigated um, this situation. Now, we have also investigated lots of other situations. You, people in our church have recommended, what about this? What about that? What about that building in Madeline and Williamson? Isn't that, what's that place? Never. We looked at it. What about the property to the south of it? It's available, $1.8 million. There's 10 acres right there. And we could buy the property and sell the house and keep the land and grow bigger there. And we, could, we looked into every possibility. And not only did they all not make sense, but all of us didn't have a sense that that's what the Lord was leading us to do. We have new neighbors by the, to the south, by the way, our, our friends at City Light Church, we're able to purchase that property. And so we have a church that's moving in next door to us. Um, they were able to purchase that property because of one $2 million donation. Wow. They're eight, eight months old and the Lord's provided for them to be next door. So they, they are there and they, are, they reached out to us. They've been very generous. They said, we can use that dirt for anything we need to in the future. They're great neighbors. You don't always get to pick your neighbors. So it's really great when you have good neighbors. So this particular uh, option, while awkward, felt like something the Lord was doing. And so we leaned into it as a leadership team. We did some research to try to figure this out. Obviously the, the numbers are super clear just to like put this out there for you guys. I don't know how many of you are math people doing these numbers, but we are trying to build for an estimated $200 a square foot, 12,000 square feet for two and a half million dollars. But the lender's saying it may be more like $400 a square foot to build what we're building. This church is $70 a square foot just to consider the the valuation. And it's twice what we were looking to build and it's completely established. And because we're trying to be a multiplying church, the hardest part about planting your first church is securing the location of that first church. Do you know that? And so the opportunity to have acquired a property at exactly the right time 
that does require a pivot in our strategy, but that positions us for multiplication is insane. And so this is what we're looking at as a possibility. Now, our strategy to do this as a church, this is the only way this would make sense for us. We are growing too big for this space in three services. So what we would have to do is we'd have to be one church in two locations, which would require us to dual broadcast, to, to preach live to and from both locations. So some Sundays you have a full live worship band here and me live and Daytona would be getting a sermon on screen. And the following Sunday, I would be preaching there live with a live worship band. There would be a live worship band here and you would be getting me on a screen at this location. And I don't know if you would know where I was or not. I don't know if we can trust you with that information. <laughs> Just being honest with you. I'm gonna be really honest with you in this sermon. So buckle up if you're not comfortable with honesty. Okay. Um, that is what we would do. We'd also hire a, a live campus pastor, another pastoral staff to be on site, to be present for people on site where I wasn't. Because we don't think, we're not trying to do um, the satellite church model, by the way. So this would be an interim step, not a long-term step. We're not trying to be like a, a mother church that plants little church pups with, with me on screen all over town. That's gross. So we're not trying to do that, okay? This is an interim step that we would be seeking to do for a limited amount of time. It would require sacrifice on behalf of our, our people. Yeah. You would be able to hear me, see me, and not touch me. I'd be very two-dimensional. That's what we're looking at. Now, we're also trying to make this decision, and we're doing it in a very unconventional way. So I want to talk to you guys about the way that we're trying to make this decision. Christ Church is governed by a board of directors. There's four of us. We are board-protected and staff-led. And so Tiffany and I are seeking to lead Christ Church as under-shepherds leading King Jesus. And we are working with two other board members who help make these actual decisions, Tim Hoover and Ron Ellison. You may have seen them around. And with them, we are seeking with the input of our leaders and donors to discern the will of God and make choices that we are all in faith to make together. Now, we are the ones financially and like organizationally responsible to make these decisions, but we are not trying to make decisions for people. We are seeking to make decisions with people. And so last Sunday night, we invited every person who's a part of the Christchurch family and who contributed to the One Life Initiative to join us for a presentation where I laid this out because I wanted our donors to be a part of this decision, not just us be making it for people. We did that, I presented to everybody, and then we had an hour of live Q&A where any person could ask any question that they wanted to. And anybody who couldn't be there present on site could live stream that with a private link and also text in their questions, and we answered all of the questions. Just want you to know that happened. Now, some of you weren't there because some of you, maybe you regularly attend, you serve, maybe you give to the general fund, but you weren't a part of the One Life Initiative. So we don't want to take the money that people donated for one project and then use it for another without their affirmation and support. We feel like that would be overstepping our bounds. And so we, we invited that specific group for that first meeting. But now I'm actually expressing this to you as well. This is, this is odd, okay? Now I'm gonna be really, really... Um, somewhat vulnerable and a little uh, too transparent. This may freak some of you out. I've been in church, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've been in church my entire life and I have been adjacent to all kinds of expansion projects in other churches. And I'm telling you that the way decisions like this are typically made is that um, the leadership lies a little. And they control the information you have access to, to try to suppress your sense of risk management. And they push a narrative that makes it seem like they have no other choice. 
and then they just make the decision for you and they see who hangs on. Have you guys ever experienced this? Yeah. So that's typically what happens. Now I've seen that happen from the inside and from the outside. We're not willing to do that. So we're not gonna lie to you. Uh, we're gonna tell you exactly the whole truth and there's no question you can't ask that we will not give an honest answer to. I just want you to know that. Also, the way that we're making this decision is to, lead, is to follow the Lord. We don't, wanna, we don't wanna respond in fear. We don't wanna do a thing that looks like a good deal, but it's the wrong thing. We don't wanna take our church who we love in a direction that looks right, but isn't. And we're trying to follow Jesus. And so here's how we approach these kinds of decisions. We go, okay, Lord, it's, we feel like this is what you're doing, but there's no way for us to, to like know because you guys know God doesn't like audibly speak to boards of, of directors. Do you know that? The, the problem is sometimes pastors will pull this card too, like the Lord told us to. What are you supposed to say to that? Well, I disagree with the Lord. <laughs> I object, Lord. Like, how does, what? Like, as soon as you do that, you have shut down the conversation. Yes? yes. And so here's, here's how we have approached this. All right, Lord, this feels like you, but in order for this to be you, since you are the God who opens doors no one can close and closes doors no one can open, here's our doors. And here's our doors. Number one was an offer. So there, all the churches in town realize the situation we're in with expansion. And there were multiple churches who moved to put an offer in on this particular campus. And so the church had to accept our offer. The second door was our donors. We weren't gonna make a decision with people's money who had donated for one thing to do something else. And so we wanted to have this meeting, live Q&R. We actually sent out a survey where you could formally affirm or object to the decision and put your comments in of why you affirmed or objected. Of the 197 donors that we contacted initially, we received correspondence from 176 of them. Most of those people were present at the meeting or streaming online. And to date, we've received 129 of those surveys with 14 of them being objections and the rest being affirmations. So the majority of our donors are behind this decision. And I am personally responding to every objection. I have I have responded to 10 of the 14. I have four left. I was hoping to get to the rest of them yesterday, but something came up. I'll tell you more about that later. But there's four people left for me to communicate with. Now, the, la the third of these four doors is our church family. The only way this works is if our church actually is supportive of it and everybody who lives either east of Nova Road or more than 20 minutes away from this location would start to attend that location. That's about 30 to 35% of our church body based on our database. If that happened, we would be able to go to two services in this location and one service there. And half the time I would preach twice live and the other half I would preach once live and we would share me being on site while we look for another pastor and a team to put together over time to multiply those two locations into two, two churches. So this would be an interim step. So this is what we'd be seeking to do. Now, if you guys don't do that, this whole thing falls. We own two churches, one of them's empty, one of them's full, and sometimes I'm not there, and that would be odd. Do you understand the dilemma here? And so we're not trying to control your behavior or force you to do anything. I'm trying to ask you to prayerfully consider what appears that God is providing for us as we've met an obstacle so that we can pivot around and continue to fulfill our goal as a church. The last door is we're gonna have to hire like four more people. Now we're already trying to hire two more people. And so this would be a, a small add-on to the staff. We have plenty of room for staff budget, but we'd have to hire the strategic people to make this work. And we, we don't have those people. So we would be saying, all right, Lord, they have to accept our offer. Our donors have to get behind it. The church has to get behind it. And we have to hire four more people and all those things are out of our control. So we're going to move forward. And if it's you, you have to open all the doors. And if any of them close in our face, not all of them, any of them, then it's a dead deal. 
There's also inspections happening on this facility and any of those inspections could kill the deal. And I didn't even need to tell you all this, but that's where we're at in this process. Now that is honest. That is where we're at. And we have until June 21st to pull out of the contract that we have and it'll go to the next church in line. And there's several in line behind us. So this is the process that we're in. Now, they did not have to accept our offer, but they did. So while I told you they listed it for $1.95 million, we felt like we, we could justify this expense and, and the work that it needed and the, and the amount that it was valued to us was actually even lower than their below value price of $1.75 million, $200,000 less than they were asking for it. Um, they accepted our offer and they, they counter-offered with a request that we allow them to cohabitate in the church for five years for free. So they would be able to use the church on Sunday mornings and the little chapel that's on site. Um, unfortunately, the church that's there now, if you could fit us on a spectrum, they would be at one end of the spectrum and we would be at the entire other end of the spectrum. If you could get us on a spectrum. If you could get us on a spectrum. And so all, us as board of directors, we said, no, that's a deal killer. We're not gonna cohabitate with this church in this building. So if you wanna sell it to us, we will buy it, but we're not gonna share it. We, we don't feel like we're in faith. There's not enough alignment there. And there's none to share this space. So we responded by saying, you can use this while we do our renovations in the area that doesn't need renovations. And while you look for something up till the end of this year, but we're gonna, we would be moving in in January and you need to be gone by then. And so they accepted our low offer with that caveat that we would not share the space. Okay, so that's that. That was just door one. I know you want to clap. You're like, I got more doors. Um, door number two is our donors. Um, our donors had great Q and R. We got some amazing, exciting energy and feedback, but there's also some meaningful objections. And so I'm responding thoroughly and answering specific questions to every single donor. And I still have four more donors to get back to. So this is a big deal. Um, also, um, the church, this is you guys. I, there's no way for me today to gauge how many of you will work with us to spread out to make this happen or that you're even willing to do it. Some people go, pastor on the screen, nope, I'm out. And that's it. And that could happen. Um, next week, there will be an opportunity for you as a Christ Church member or attender to say, I'm in faith for this move and I plan to attend X campus, be it Port Orange or Daytona. But that is not today. That's gonna be next. I wanted to give you guys some time to pray about it, think about it. So that's coming next Sunday. All right, now, I only have a couple minutes, but I wanna, I wanna acknowledge the objections that are the most common and I wanna walk you through them because I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking what everybody else is thinking, okay? The first most common objection that we have received in this strategy is that it feels a little bit like a bait and switch. So we've been talking about this thing for a really long time. We raised all this money. We're going to do this thing. And now that we're just about to do it, now we're going to do something else. Now, not everybody is going to benefit from this in the same way. Some people are like, yay, now I have to drive seven minutes to church. It's right by my house. Other people are going, I have like given sacrificially for years to make that happen, that dream. And now that is not happening. And that is, that is difficult. Do you understand the dilemma and the difference of our experience? Now, um, we, are, we are not doing a bait and switch. And there's two reasons for that. One we are not making this decision for our donors. We are making this decision with our donors. This was not something we did and told them about. This is something we said, we think we should do it, but you gave to this and so we're asking you. And our donors could have killed it. We could have gotten enough substantive objections to say, no, we're not gonna do this just based on our donors. Now, because of the number of donors and the objections that we were able to answer, already we're, I'm getting responses back from the donors that we answered their questions and they're saying, oh no, no, count me in. But 
Also, this is not a bait and switch because we believe that integrity requires that we not use people's donations against their will. And so every single person who objected formally received a thorough letter from me that ended with this paragraph. I hope that this letter provides more clarity and answers to your questions. We would love to have your support for this pivot, but we understand if you cannot get behind it. We believe that, the, that integrity requires us not to use any funds donated by those who have objected for this project. If you don't feel that you can affirm the pivot, we will gladly redirect your entire One Life balance to a charity of your choice. Just let us know how to proceed. We love and respect you, and we are grateful for your engagement in this process. We await your reply. That's only, that's only appropriate. It's, it's sad to me that you would feel compelled to clap for that, but that is the state of our world. And so that is why um, this is not a bait and switch. The second thing is people are saying, will this really solve our growth problem? And the answer is that's entirely up to you. We have no control over that. That this, this requires people to actually move some people and to go to a different location. And you may not want to. And so if, if I can't control human behaviors, um, and so I'm actually asking you to open up a map and see where this is. Some of you are going to be like, yeah, it's just as far from me. It doesn't make any difference. But after church, we always go to Malibu Grill. And now that's across town. And I don't, I don't. So like there are some, there are some like sacrifices that we'd be asking you to consider. But I'm telling you, we have no, we have no way of controlling this at all. And so I'm giving you time to think about it. And then we'll give you a way to communicate that back to us. And then number four um, I'm getting a lot of this from the, not a lot of objections, but the people who are objecting are, I'm hearing this. And this is also the word on the street, by the way. I want you to just know, anything you say about me, eventually I find out. I just want you to know that. You might as well just come talk to me first because it gets to me. It's, it's probably mangled and distorted by the time I hear it, but it gets to me. Um, the question that I'm getting is, what is really going on here? Squinty eyes. Now, part of the problem is, and I get this, I have total compassion and understanding for this. Why? Because I just told you, what's typical is that they lie a little and they control the narrative to downplay your ability to run risk calculations. And then they make a decision for you that they made it look like it was your decision. And leaders do this. It lacks integrity to me, but church leaders do it all the time. And so if you're used to that, then you should have little stinky eye questions about what's really going on here. Does Pastor Jesse just want a shorter commute? Are we going to sell off this poor orange building? And am I going to be out of a church? Like, what's going on here? Um, none of those things are happening. We still think this is the campus to be a home church. We, this is where we want to start launch churches from. We are dead center in the middle of Volusia County. Volusia County is our target area. We want to plant churches like this in Daytona, in New Smyrna, all over town. Whole autonomous churches with staffs and budgets and buildings. This is what we want to do in the long term. In the years to come, that's what we want to do. And I, here's how I can prove this to you. In 2015, when we started Christ Church Port Orange, I registered the domain name ChristChurchPortOrange.org, but I also registered ChristChurchDaytonaBeach.org and ChristChurchNSB.org. We own those websites because we knew eight years ago that this is who God was calling us to be. Amen. And so like, this is not an accident. This is not some new thing that we're trying to do. This is an opportunity to fulfill in out of order steps, the thing that God has always put into our hearts. So that is what is really going on here. Now, I just want to remind you that this is what happens politically also, except at much larger levels, right? So they don't lie a little, they lie a lot. And they don't control the narrative a little, they call things that aren't what they are. And they don't just decide for you, they give it to you and they force it to you and they tell you you wanted it. And if anybody objects or asks questions, you blame Republicans. That's what happens. So that's what happens. 
Also, stick around. I'm an equal partisan offender. I am. I will get everybody. Trust me. Go to Google and read our reviews. I have one one-star review because I criticized our President Trump. Ooh, don't do it. Don't say anything bad about the Donald. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Stick around. Okay, um, so these are the most common objections. Now, I want to deal with the reality of our initial human response. Listen, I can show you what a great deal this is. I can show you how it fits our mission as a church. I can convince you that it fulfills the Great Commission. But that is typically not how you're going to make your first reaction or your decision without actually engaging in some mental, spiritual uh, seeking of the Lord. Because all of us respond the way middle schoolers respond. That doesn't sound like fun to me. And so you are going to have an initial response that's going to be something to the, to the extent of this question. How does this affect or affect me? Both of them actually count. Remember in sixth grade, we had to learn the difference between affect and affect. Well, this is both of them. How does this affect me? What is my drive going to be? Where are my friends going to go? What is my church experience going to be like? How am I going to feel about that? Is this new place going to feel like my old place? What's it going to be like when there's a screen on the Sundays that there's a screen? And can I invite people to that church? What's the, what, who else is going to come to this church? What kind of church is this going to be? Who are the people who live around there? How much is this going to cost in the long run? What's the energy bill going to be over there? And how is this going to be offset between these two campuses? And when will we have a new pastor? And, ah! This is what's going to happen. And so we tend to make decisions from that point of feeling, not all the things we know to be true. And I just want to acknowledge that. And I want to say there's actually nothing wrong with that. It's the way that we're wired to interpret. You just can't make your final decisions in that state. You have to bring that to the Lord. And then you have to ask him to help you with that. And he gives peace and clarity and directions. And so for some people, this is going to have an immediate positive and nothing but a positive impact. Others, it's going to be completely negative. Some people are going to experience excitement. Others are going to experience grief. Okay. The other thing is, and a lot of you, type A, risk management, sitting on the back wall, Enneagram sixes, you're going to go, what if this doesn't work? What if people don't get behind it? What if we can't afford it? What if it doesn't grow? What if this becomes a sideways, we get, we go, this whole thing falls down? What if, what if? And you run all the high-risk scenarios. Now, we are doing our level best to figure out all the answers to all the tough questions, and we are not going to play pretend, and we are not going to hide those from anybody. However, the reason I started with Matthew 28 and verse 16 and not 18 is because in verse 17, it says, when they saw the resurrected Jesus, they worshiped him. And during the worship of the visible resurrected king of the universe, it says, some doubted. Do you see that? If Jesus couldn't get everybody on board, should I think that I'm going to get everybody on board? No. And so it's okay if you have doubts. Jesus is fine with it. Matthew puts it in the text. We have to be willing to take a risk that is not that we have nothing to lose. It's that we're going where God wants us to go. Do you understand this? This is the nature of risk. You ran risk getting in your car to drive here this morning. You're going to run risk if you eat at a restaurant. You are, you are running risk. We run risk all the time. We just run these risks without thinking because typically everything goes well. This, this does have risk associated with it. I'm not, I'm not masking over those risks. Um, but I do know that eight years ago, with 49 adults and 21 children, and we were counting a service dog, we set out in this building with $8,000 in cash in the bank. We had enough money to get us 89 days before we were completely insolvent, and I wasn't getting paid. And we felt like God says, there needs to be a church in Port Orange called Christ Church, and this is what it needs to look like. And now you are here because some of those people were faithful and took a risk back then. And so I'm thinking about all the people who we're going to reach both here in Port Orange and in Daytona, if in fact this is what God is calling us to do. And so I'm saying it's worth the risk, okay? And so I'm going to end here, but I want to ask you, 
consider my personal and pastoral appeal to you as you process, okay? Number one, um, choose unity and not division. Um, there's a, it's hard because when you do a thing like this, anytime you do multiplication, it feels like division. You know, cellular multiplication, you have one thing and it splits into two things. Now, do you have less or do you have more? But is it the same as it used to be? And so there was some level of loss. And so it's easy for us in a process like this to go, well, if we're going in these different directions, it feels like we're gonna lose something that we had and that can feel sad. And we faced this when we went from one service to two and we went from two to three and we're gonna face it if we go to two locations, but it's gonna be the worst when we get to the point where we're being faithful to be a church planning church. And God says, no, I don't want, I don't want, I want your best. I want you to send your best. I want you to give this next community your best, your highest and your best. And so I think it's time for us to get used to feeling the cost of what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus, to recognize that it may feel like division, but it's actually multiplication. And what we are unified around, brothers and sisters, is not a person or a preacher or a service experience. It is the person of Jesus. It is his purpose in his kingdom, and it is his passion for the lost. And we've got to come back to that, okay? We're not going to become... We're not gonna become an ego-led, narcissistic church where I'm trying to be on screens all over town. We're trying to bridge a gap and pivot around an obstacle to fulfill our mission to be the multiplying church that God has called us to be. Listen, the disciples lost something when Jesus ascended. Never went back to the way it was before. The disciples lost something when they were filled with the Spirit and dispersed out to fulfill the mission. They didn't get to be there with their buddies. The, the group of 12 never again reunited. Worse than the Beatles. I'm saying it was a cost. Secondly, I want you to choose clarity over clamor. Um, Proverbs 29, 11 says, the fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Ephesians 4, 29 lists clamor as one of the things, the negative speeches that we ought to put away from ourselves. And I used to do this. Um, kids are really bad about clamor. They like to just chat and they share gossip with each other and it just destroys relationships. And as they get older, they don't do anything different. And so I used to do this thing with high school students where I would take a cup of water and I would say, do you see the clarity of this cup of water? You can see right through it. And I would take some food dye and I would put a little drop of red in there and it would go kind of pink and you can still see through it. But then, and I would say, this is your question. This is the thing you don't know about it. This is your offense or your hurt or something that you feel slighted about and you put it in there. And then if you go to that person or you ask the right question and you close that gap the way Jesus said, and I would put a little squirt of water that was mixed with bleach, the kids didn't know. And it would, <laughs> it would dissolve the color out of, out of the cup. And I would say, this is what Jesus said. He wants us to, if we have a problem, we go to a person. We never talk about a person. It's either to or with, but never about. And so if you have a question, let's get some clarity on that question. But here's the thing, we don't do that. Instead, we get around with other people who can't answer our question or who aren't involved in the decision. And then we keep adding all of our colors to the cup. And then we take a little fear stick and we, we stir it up. And then what happens? You get a cup full of the ugliest, murkiest brown and black water you've ever seen. And unfortunately, at that point, there isn't enough bleach water in my container to clear that up anymore. And so I tell the kids, like, this is the effect of clamor. And so I'm asking you to choose clarity. And it's hard when you think you're being lied to, which is why I'm going to great extent and talk to anybody who's received one of my replies about their objections and the specific questions they've asked and my answer. We are not lying about anything. But you've got to come for clarity. And so I'm asking you to choose clarity, not clamor. And then lastly, um, we are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation to the world. Do you know that? It's a ministry. 
It's a service. But we live in a consumer environment, a consumer culture where we, we live our life through the lens of, does this meet my wish list? And so I'm inviting you to do something different, to live differently. I'm inviting you to choose ministry, not me-ministry. And too many of us don't realize how me-focused we're being. And so if all of our objections and thoughts and concerns focus on how does this affect me, we're not thinking about this properly. It's okay to assess the costs and it's okay to object and it's okay to engage. And you're not gonna be uh, ridiculed or pushed away or ignored for that. We wanna make this decision together, but we are making a decision on how we are gonna give our lives away, not whether or not we are, do you understand? And so I'm entrusting this message to you and this possible pivot to you. We're continuing to lead Christ Church and to, and to do this work for you. And next week, you'll have an opportunity to communicate to us whether this is something that you are willing to do and what that will look like so that we can um, make knowledgeable next steps. And so we continue to welcome any questions, concerns you have. Um, our board of directors is here, Ron and Tim. They're gonna be available um, in the lobby. You can ask them any questions you want if you're too intimidated to ask me, um, but I'm happy to talk to you also. And I just wanna remind you, and especially if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, um, we are doing all of this for you. We, we are the only organization on earth that exists for its non-contributing non-members. Do you know that? That's what you got called into. Jesus says, it's gonna cost you everything, but it's gonna bring about his purpose, his glory, and your life of flourishing, amen? God, I thank you for your gentle leading of us. God, I thank you that we can do church different and we can apply our, your word to our lives individually and corporately. And so we just submit this whole process again and publicly together to you. Speak to us, lead us, challenge us where need be, uh, and Lord, if this is not of you, we just want you to slam the door in our face. We do not want to go through any door that is not of you. You are the God who opens the door that no one can close and closes the doors that no one can open. And we are seeking only to follow you and be faithful. And so we commit this to you. Pray that you'd lead us and help us. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week.